Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the 13th episode in this series from Midas Touch and 5-Minute News called The Weekend Show, where we take a deep dive into the news of the week. Download the show as audio in addition to my daily 5-Minute News podcast on iTunes or wherever you get yours. Joining me today is Defensive Information Security Specialist, writer and formerly the senior cybersecurity staffer on the campaign to elect Joe Biden, Jackie Singh. Jackie, hi. Welcome. Hi, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me back. You, you are the first guest to return on the weekend show. And uh, I thought, you know, over time, we'll probably build up like a repertory company of people who like to return and, and have their you know right of reply. So I was very thrilled to have you the first time. And I'm even more thrilled to see you again. Uh, you're in Puerto Rico. So uh, just so people know that there's give us a little bit of geography, uh, which unbeknownst to Donald Trump, is actually part of America. So something uh, we should probably point out there. It is. It is absolutely a part of America. But unfortunately, we have not yet extended voting rights to these citizens. I'm aware of this. And we're going to talk about this uh, in just a little while. I also want to start by looking at the leak of the draft ruling on abortion in the US, which has caused pandemonium across the US with all sorts of protests begging the Democrats to do something about this. Uh, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at a new study that finds climate change could spark the next pandemic. Um, this is new data and it's very, very interesting. Uh, and also the number of people who've died in the pandemic, it turns out, is not 5 million across the world. It's 15 million. So there's a kind of a revision on the numbers. That's something we'll, we'll look at. And uh, a little bit later, we'll discuss Karine Jean-Pierre becoming the White House press secretary as uh, Jen Psaki takes her... Um, I think she's been there like uh, a year and three months. She said she would do a year, but she's uh, she's moving on to go and work as a TV news pundit, I think. So let's uh, go into the big conversation of the week. Uh, this is the um, leak of this draft ruling from the Supreme Court, which turned out initially people were like, oh, is it even genuine? And then, of course, it was confirmed that it, it was genuine. Um, the, the reality of Democrats' thin congressional majorities though, that they don't actually have enough support in the Senate to codify abortion protections. They also don't have the votes to eliminate the filibuster. So, I mean, this is ultimately means that there's not really anything the Democrats can do about this, is there? It's quite concerning, uh, Anthony. I mean, we're shifting towards authoritarianism. We're becoming so much more like countries that we don't like and that we've historically told ourselves aren't the type of country we want to be. You know, we were founded on a basis of religious liberty. And I think the damage done to our country due to the upcoming widespread criminalization of a person's changes to their own body 
whether we're talking about, you know, women and abortion or trans people and gender changes can't be overstated. And then meanwhile, you have corporate oligarchs who are donating dark money to politicians whose clickbait headlines are um, promoting divisive topics that keep us arguing with each other, right? More and more angrily instead of taking the healthy, freedom-loving American way forward. So I, I find it really strange that, um, you know, Republicans are uh, trying to keep news of the of the actual ruling down and to promote the fact that the ruling was leaked, right? And to shift the there focus. There is this obsession with the leaker, isn't there? And we've yes. seen people like Ted Cruz. They're, they're using this to kind of suggest that the leaking of this, uh, of, the, of this ruling, draft ruling, is worse than the insurrection of the 6th of January. Like they're actually using these types of phrases to say this is the real insurrection. And, we, and, and they're also claiming without a shred of evidence that it, was, it must have been a, a Democrat that, that leaked this. So uh, we've heard this from Mitch McConnell. We've heard this from so many of the uh, uh, kind of Republican um, henchmen. Trump's henchmen, I always refer to them as. So, I mean, what is of utmost importance here? Is it the fact that it was leaked and who the leaker is or what actually is going to change in the country? I think there is a story tradition of leakers providing the American public with very valuable information in a timely, hopefully, manner that allows us to uh, maybe see some things that are being done behind closed doors prior to... Um, you know, a time when they can't be rolled back. That's really what we're looking at is the opportunity for the American public to have a conversation about these topics before it simply becomes a, um, a vacation of the prior uh, precedents that are established that, you know, we were told many times, let's put it this way, you know, Senator uh, Susan Collins was confused and surprised about this as well. We were told many times that Roe v. Wade was precedent and was established precedent and that incoming justices would do the right thing, which is a standard of the legal system to respect prior precedent. And so right. and, and, and there was a video put out by Midas Touch showing these, you know, they cut together all of these uh, justices announcing that this was precedent and that this was, you know, the law of the land and that this would not be meddled with. So were the justices that said this over the last period of a couple of years, were they, were they all lying or did they know at some point that this would be overturned? Or has Trump and the whole Trump machine like infiltrated not just half the country, but also two thirds of the Supreme Court? I think um, I think this is all related to things that happened years ago, right? A lot of this started in 2015 and 2016 in the run-up to the Trump election. And what we saw was a manipulation of the media. What we saw and what we've seen over the past few years are the shifting of beliefs of Americans through concerted attempts to... Um, you know, create millions of false accounts on the internet to get us to believe that our fellow citizens hold certain beliefs that we simply don't hold, right? When you start to see a continuous alignment between laws that are being passed in repressive countries such as Russia or Hungary, right? You see folks like Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump openly praise these authoritarian leaders like Viktor Orban in Hungary, 
And you see the process of packing the court and the controversies we've experienced over the past several years. It really just feels like this is the outcome of many laid plans over the past several years. And now we're starting to see those outcomes. And, um, you know, I feel really uh, just absolutely gutted and terrible for the women who have to bear this cost, right? right? The cost of yeah. our political inaction, the cost of Americans sitting back and not participating in politics and saying that isn't for me, it's not the kind of thing I want to be involved in, has created a situation where we're um, not just facing a repeal of Roe v. Wade, but potentially a repeal of other very important protections that uh, cause us to be a leader in human rights throughout the world. And so my my biggest fear is that we're losing our our moral strength in the world, which we fought so hard to build. Because Roe v. Wade, it didn't just set a precedent for abortion, but it, sent, it set a precedent for human rights, women's rights, civil rights. There was a high, it was it was the culmination of of so men, of so much protest. And it basically said that America is prepared to do this thing, to to have respect for people's individual choice. If you look at the list of countries where abortion is banned, it doesn't make for very good reading, very nice reading. I mean, it's Afghanistan, you know, it's Saudi Arabia, it's places that we would never expect America to sit on a similar list with. And so I guess that you know, the knock-on effect of this, it's a little bit like democracy generally, isn't it? You know, American democracy was always upheld as one of the great democracies, a system that really worked. And then, you know, after 2020 and even 2016, to a certain extent with Russia's interference, but you you end up losing that status on the world stage yes. as, a, yes. as a functioning democracy yes. and also a functioning judiciary. Yes, yes. I mean, look, the, the rule of law is what separates us from a non-functional country. And so we must focus on that. We must focus on holding insurrectionists to account. We must focus on holding those within the Trump administration who sought to subvert our democracy to account. And, you know, I, I just want to talk about something that's really basic that I don't seem to think that we're, I don't think we're making the connection very well in this country between, you know, civic involvement and outcomes, right? In order for our country to continue to be the greatest, most powerful, and richest nation on earth with the power to tell other nations what to do and what not to do. I really think that we need to focus on maintaining our moral superiority, right? In, in the wake of our use of nuclear weapons in Japan, and you know we're in a post-Vietnam, post-Iraq and Afghanistan world, I don't think that we can afford to, to lose even 1% of the moral ground that we've gained in terms of our representation as a bastion of freedom and refuge and hope and upward mobility, right? Um, I, I think I'm a representation of upward mobility, so that means something to me. And so all the while, we're failing to continually increase the rights and freedoms of our citizens, as is their due, right? I, I don't understand how we can be in an America that's backsliding in 2022, where other countries are improving their ability to provide citizens with the freedoms that are necessary to have a healthy, democratic country, right? I mean, look, Ireland, Ireland, of all countries, a Catholic nation, decided two years ago to, um, to make abortion legal and it improved their standing on the Freedom House ratings. If you all Google the Freedom House ratings, you'll understand a little bit more about what the trends have been in terms of which countries are backsliding with regard to their democratic norms. 
and which countries are getting better. And my concern is that our country is getting worse. It's it's backsliding, and we don't have. But it's backsliding to be. fifty years in this case. I mean, Roe v. Wade was nineteen seventy three. Yes. And so you know, it, it's almost as if because this is the thing that I, I find most interesting, and and you've alluded to this a little bit in terms of representation and us being misrepresented by our our leaders, and that is that the argument against abortion is a religious one, right? It, it's it's Catholics and it's evangelical Christians and it's their desire that you know the Bible says this you know, we, this is the way it should be. And yet the constitution says that people should be able to practice their religion, but it, you know, it's not about forcing your religion on anybody else, on, 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 on secular people. So what we have effectively in these Republican states that are not just banning abortion, but criminalizing people who perform an abortion in some cases, and we'll talk about that in just a second, is that they're pushing their religious views onto non-religious people. And this surely has to come down to religion because that's fundamentally the argument. You know, when Mike Pence, the whitest man in America, gets up and says, you know, that he is pro-life, and we've talked on this show before about the branding of pro-life. It's very clever because, of course, it doesn't mean that if you're anti-abortion, you, you, you celebrate death. But or, or if you're if you're pro-abortion, you celebrate. It's a very it. useful turn of phrase. I mean, they have well, well, it's marketing, isn't it? manipulation it's in order yeah. to get to convince us that yeah. that they actually have the moral high ground. But when you're really, what it really comes down to is the Handmaid's Tale, right? right. We're 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 forcing an entire marginalized set of people, meaning women. Fifty percent of our yes. population are women and have been historically marginalized. And now, instead of giving them more rights instead of giving us childcare instead of reducing the maternal mortality rate which is amongst the lowest or the actually the highest right we we rank the lowest in terms of maternal uh, uh life right just going through the pregnancy process and giving birth and staying alive is a difficult thing for a woman in America given the statistics and so with with all of that um you know you you start to feel like there's a war on women in America right we can't have childcare we can't have equal wages. We can't have the right to choose our family and to plan our family and to decide when is the best time for us to uh, bring a child into the world or not. And one of the most sacred things that a person can do in this world is uh, bring another child, bring a person into this world. And we don't want to yeah. do it unthinkingly and we don't want to do it unknowingly. And um, we're, we're really um, preventing, by, by outlawing abortion, we're preventing happy, healthy well cared for, loved children from coming into the world. We're yeah. we're handicapping them from the beginning. We're kneecapping these these children who should be born into abundance. We are a country of abundance. Marjorie Taylor Greene was recently filmed at an event, basically rewriting the story of women and saying that as women, you know, we are here to serve our husbands. I mean, the the language that she used was so antiquated it was frightening i don't even think she really believes it i mean this is my concern with a lot of this you know neo-fascist far-right christian nationalism which is dressed up as conservatism doesn't really bear any resemblance to traditional conservatism i agree but there's a lot of noise that doesn't seem to really align with their actions saying things and doing other things 
and and that really is a bit of a theme, isn't it? It's like it really how much is. of this stuff do they really believe? It really is. Um, there has been a total divorce uh, between political rhetoric and political reality. That's really what we're looking at. And that divorce is entirely for political reasons. It is a divorce. So it is turbulent. It is stressful and difficult and confusing. And, um, you know, I, I just go back to the existence of dark money in politics. You know, like who, who funds Marge? Right. And what do they want her to tell the American public? And I think focusing more on who's providing the money and what their goals are would be really helpful for citizens who want to understand a little bit more about the political process. That's something that I learned a lot about when I was on the uh, the campaign to elect Joe Biden in 2020, right? And, and working as a, as a director at a nonprofit now, I have to be very um, cautious. I have to be very educated about who our funders are. What are the strategies that our funders have outlined for us? How do we align for that? How do we work together? Right. Similarly, on on Marge's side, she's focused on that as well. She's laser focused. Every one of these politicians are laser focused on where their money comes from and to keep that money coming because every it's, every clickbait headline simply serves that purpose. And 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 fundraising. I mean, this is something we spoke about uh, in last week's episode of The Weekend Show was that I was thinking about everything that Ron DeSantis had managed to squeeze onto television because, you know, that guy like last week with Disney and, uh, you know, the LGBTQ rights, he was on TV the whole time. Literally, he, he really was getting a lot of attention. And it occurred to me when I read that he'd raised $108 million, which is an unprecedented amount to raise for a campaign. You know, $30 million maybe, but $108 million was quite something. And I'm sure it's, it's way more than that now, a, a week or so later. But I realized that all of his... All of his TV appearances and all of the rhetoric that come, was coming out of his mouth was irrelevant to reality. It was all about fundraising. It was about having people see that he was saying what needed to be said. The midterms coming up, obviously there's his presidential ambitions in 24. The guy is just raising money. Yeah, look, uh, everything that Ron DeSantis does is calculated to anger his constituents, um, bring in new constituents who might be attracted to his very um, uh, like angry policies uh, that seem to spring from nowhere. You know, don't say gay actually sprung from nowhere. No one is actually teaching children about sex and gender, small children yeah. in Florida. And I know because I have a daughter in a Florida school, right? Um, it, it's, it's all just made up. And it's meant to generate voting decisions in his favor. It's meant to elevate his name into the context of you know, these divisive issues to a national stage. And so he's really just abusing the emotional energy of citizens in order to elevate himself. You know, we even saw him say that he might consider a cold war, a cold war with the state of Georgia. I think that's really dangerous, you know, for someone who is a former Guantanamo Bay lawyer. Right. This isn't someone who isn't aware of what he's doing and what he says. He's quite educated. And he said, you know, we might consider a Cold War with the state of Georgia. And I think that's language that's reserved for international engagement. It's so inappropriate and wild that a sitting governor would make a statement implying that he would wage war on a neighboring state in our united country. I find that really insane. But I think it helps. You know, those types of statements really help illustrate what type of a dangerous demagogue he is. 
But this is this is fascism with a small f, isn't it? I mean, this it is, is fascism. Fu- it is fundamentally fascism. the word that nobody in America likes to say. And, <sighs> you know, during the four years of Trump, you know, the only people that mentioned fascist were, you know, like Twitter uh, activists. Uh, there was, you know, a handful of mental health professionals that you know talked about his the danger of you know his insanity and drawing parallels and similarities with with dictators of uh, in history and they were all fascists you know and and to fundamentally wage war against your own people trump did it by disappearing people off the streets of portland or when he buzzed all those people in lafayette square to go and do his photo op with a with a, a bible in front of a church that he'd never been to i mean these are the really these are the examples of fascism but where fascism starts you know and and, 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 it's absolutely terrifying scholars of of fascism and authoritarian movements around the world and you know historical and current are laser focused on what's happening in america laser focused right I, i think a lot more people need to take a look at ron desantis uh press secretary christina pushaw and take a look at her background and see where she came from and maybe start thinking about why he makes these very um, exciting statements intended to rile people up that maybe don't even have a basis in fact. You know, um, I think she's like the, the Steve Bannon was to Donald Trump initially. You know, she's one of these people that wants to cause chaos, right? Um, well, it's calculated political chaos and they don't care who they leave in their wake. They don't care who they hurt because it really is a singular focus of obtaining power by any means necessary. And I hope that, I hope that the American public learns to recognize it before it's too late. You know, in, in Germany, they recognize it. They know the signs and symptoms of fascism. They know it so well. Um, that Trump was quite terrifying for them. And so now they're talking again. They're focused again on our elections here. And um, I, I I understand why they're doing it. They're afraid. And the people who are familiar with history in the United States are also afraid. Someone like Ron DeSantis could be extremely dangerous for our country in so many different ways. He's shown that with his actions. He's shown that uh, with the, the, the people that he's killed in Florida through um, COVID-19 inaction in order to curry political points with people who don't feel like they should be wearing a mask or getting a vaccine. He um, makes comments about um, transgender athletes. You know, anything that he can do in order to upset his his base. And we're talking about seniors in Florida, right? These aren't necessarily yeah. people who are hip to disinformation campaigns, to influence operations, and really just to this new media environment where, you know, you mentioned Steve Bannon. His uh, methodology is just to um, throw Burn as, much, it all down. Throw as yeah. much stuff at the wall and just see what sticks. And yeah. his, his, go- his goal is to flood the zone with crap, right? Just yeah. give us so much stuff to think about and to talk about and to be angry yeah, people about. People don't, don't know where to where to look. You don't know where to look. You don't know where to start. And, and how do you even begin to start chipping away at this? If you see something that you don't agree with, what do you even do when you're talking about a state with a Republican-controlled administration such as Florida? The, the problem we're starting to see now is that where governors like Ron DeSantis find success in the media and are able to fundraise and make so much money for campaigns... 
is that other Republican states start to copycat some of the policies and governors behave in a similar way. You know, we saw Greg Abbott claiming to take immigrants from the border and and bus them to Washington, D.C. Well, that turned out to be a publicity stunt. You know, these people weren't kidnapped. In fact, he admitted that it was illegal for him to kidnap them. He said to them, would you like to go to Washington? Because if you do, I'll pay for you to go. And, you know, we saw video of some of these that did want to go to Washington and they were stepping off the bus and the people that were facilitating this were shaking their hand and wishing them luck. It wasn't quite the kind of, you know, what, what Greg Abbott would have had you believe was him being, you know, super tough. But I want to talk about Louisiana just for a moment because Republicans in Louisiana have advanced a bill to make abortion a crime of murder as a draft decision that would end abortion rights continues to spark nationwide protests and police in Washington raised non-scalable fences around the Supreme Court. I mean, this is like next level, isn't it? You They're know, this is war uh, against their own citizens. War against their own citizens to the point that their own citizens in their own states, whether it be Louisiana or Florida or Texas or Arizona or, you know, Utah or you know, any of these places, that the, the people are going to have to take up Gavin Newsom's offer of flying them to California and, and legally giving them an abortion and looking after them and then sending them home. I mean, that's what's going to end up happening. That, you know, Gavin Newsom is going to end up being the he's going to he's going to be the abortion guy. Well, for every I mean, other state, even Canada has offered uh, to perform right. abortions. Right, uh, Colorado's governor has offered this uh, support and assistance. And so, yeah. what we're seeing here is a deeper division in American life. We're 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 creating another slice. We're putting people in Camp A and Camp B, right? Which is extremely useful for politicians, right? Once you can separate people into camps and you can dehumanize the other side and say they just want to kill babies. And they just want to control your body, right? Like there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity to get people to vote against their own best interests in this type of situation, and that's really what they're trying to do and exploit. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the Trump playbook and uh, the DeSantis playbook, and I think we're going to see that more and more, right? Further demagoguery, more outrageous politics. In order to be heard above the din, you need to be louder and you need to be more outrageous. And so, you know, we elected a reality TV star to our highest office, and I don't think it's going to end there, right? More people with that type of attitude, that type of self-enriching attitude who are really only approaching politics with the intention of promoting themselves, of becoming rich, of becoming powerful, and have absolutely no intention to help ease the suffering of the American people. I think people will start to see through that, you know, sooner or later. I think that um, the residents of Louisiana, for example, who are able to leave will leave. Those who cannot will suffer. I think we have a huge black population in Louisiana that will suffer. We'll need to try to visit neighboring states in order to take control over their own bodies and and, and reproductive state and just self-determination, which is a basic human right. And ultimately, that only hurts Louisiana. It's a poor state. You know, the, but, our, but DeSantis knows and, 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 you know, Louisiana governor and all of these kind of white neo-fascist governors, they know that the people that will suffer the most will be people of color, the poorest people, the people that they don't care for their votes, they don't care for their lives. So to them, it's irrelevant. 
the reality is that wealthy white people will be able to find an abortion and pay for it. Absolutely. If, if Absolutely. And, and that really is what this boils down to, isn't it? This is racism. This, Absolutely. In each of these states, the whole abortion debate is actually a debate about race. And everything that we discuss tragically seems to come back to race. And, and I just want to try and look to a, you know, a solution because, you know, we can often get into a great sense of despair. What can the Democrats do here? Because, you know, Joe Manchin is an anti-abortion Democrat from West Virginia, and he voted with Republicans to block consideration of this bill that uh, I think, you know, Chuck Schumer's talking about this this bill. I think it was called the Women's Health Protection Act. Um, uh, even with the filibuster scrapped, that would not have passed in the Senate. Uh, the bill failed to attract the support of two pro-choice Senate Republicans, Susan Collins of Maine and Lisa Mikowski of Alaska. They've introduced separate legislation that they say would codify Roe. So Biden is saying, you know, people need to vote for pro um, for uh, pro women's rights candidates. That's the solution that he came up with. Well, uh, I think there's pro, a lot more. That the, yeah, I think there's a lot more so, that the Biden administration can do to uh, court young people, right? right. Young young well, people the, 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 are he's the ones. hemorrhaging the support of young people right now. Young people are the ones. I mean, look, we're we're still waiting, and I, I I'm I'm 37, but I'm going to say we because <laughs> I still consider I'll, myself I'll be to be part of that I'll be group. As well, yeah, yeah. Look, as a as a as a woman of of childbearing age, right? I still consider myself to be in that group, but really, young people, right? The TikTokers, right? The, they have the energy, they have the ambition, they have the motivation, but they need to be mobilized. And yeah. the way to do that is not to disillusion them on topics such as the legalization or descheduling of cannabis or, um, you know, forgiving some student debt. Like, come on, Joe, if you're going to forgive 10K, forgive the 10K, right? Even if it's yeah. not 50K, forgive the 10K. But give us something because millennials and Gen Z are suffering right? They're suffering in America. And I'm hearing more and more from people who are wondering and asking themselves, is America really the best country for me? When you look at the top 10 or top 20 countries for women's rights, eh, the United States is not really on that list. They're not, we're not cracking the top 20 anymore, right? And so yeah. in order for, for these young people for whom pronouns are important, for whom self-determination is important, Right. These are these are the issues that matter to this voting block that is now coming of age and failing to focus on them is a massive mistake. And so anything that and, we can do to mobilize the youth would be quite powerful. And it does show Biden's age, doesn't it? You know, it's a, I'm not an ageist person necessarily, but I do recognize that at times like this, he really does come over as being institutionalized. You know, there's a guy who's spent his entire life on Capitol Hill and as a senator and then as a vice president and now a president. I mean, this guy, you know, in terms of, I appreciate they don't have the numbers to um, remove the, the, the to scrap the filibuster, but to even show some desire to want to take back control of lawmaking with such a narrow margin here and with the likes of, Kirsten Cinema and, and Joe Manchin playing for the other team. I mean, I know he's had private conversations with these people multiple times, but that doesn't help us on the outside who only see in action. I'm not sure what to say about that. 
I'm not sure what to say about that. I, I don't. I don't want to believe that Joe's in a bubble because he has yeah. really, really good people around him that are advising him and that are telling him what the state of the nation is and that are yeah. truly connected to these communities, that are connected to Gen Z, that understand what they want and what their desires are and where they are in their lives. I know this because I was on the campaign and I was able to meet so many of these um, wonderful people. Yeah, And he's just brought back his, one of his original advisors, Yes, uh, which is... I don't know if we should read into that necessarily. You know, was he going in the wrong direction and now he needs to go back to how things were, you know, when he first took office. But, you know, fundamentally, there are downsides to having aged people in this role. And, you know, Trump is going to be, uh, uh, I mean, I'm starting to see Trump, the degradation of Trump in terms of age and cognitively in, in the interviews that he's giving and the rallies that he's doing. You know, there's definitely a slowdown from his perspective. And yet he claims to be the one who's energized compared yes. To, yes. To, to Biden. They're and quite he careful. He of himself as the young man yes. next to Joe Biden. <laughs> the GOP is quite careful with their propaganda. They, they're very careful not to spend too much time attacking Joe for, for, for being an old man. They yeah. spend a lot of time attacking his stutter in order to convince people that he is no longer fit for office. And, and, and they edit videos yeah. together of, of him oh, wandering yes. in the wrong direction. Complete, and they make they it look like he's, falsify things. You know, they completely yeah. falsify things. I just saw yeah. one yesterday where they took a very small clip and then they took a clip of um, a, a VP Harris kind of rolling her eyes and they put those together. And right. if you're someone just scrolling on Reddit and pass by these things, it really does lend the impression that Joe just kind of lost it there where he was standing at the podium yeah. and didn't know what to do. But in reality, he just has a stutter and that's a very like normal yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the, the interest and desire that Republicans have to attack someone on the basis of their disability or their difference is a really ugly impulse that we need to fight more in American politics. And so if you see politicians who refer to the physical weaknesses of their opponents as though they were relevant, um, you really start to wonder what type of future they really want. I mean, are they interested yeah. in a Hitler-like eugenics-focused future? Well, Trump would talk about eugenics all the time in rallies. He would talk about, you know, this person's got really good genes and I've got good genes and, you know, and I had an uncle that was educated. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. But my, my fear is, as you quite rightly say, that we're now looking at a Republican Party who have they have their guns out. Right. This fight, they will say anything. They, they don't care. You know, anybody who's not white, cis, ideally male, there is the enemy. And you're seeing a generation now of people who are LGBTQ plus or who are people of color who are looking at this and thinking these people would bring back segregation if they could. They would. And, they would. We've even right. heard a senator um, recently refer to, might have been a member of the House of Representatives, refer to interracial marriage and how yes. they would consider rolling back yeah. interracial marriage in the United States. And so I really want folks to think about abortion as simply one front. Yeah in the fight against authoritarianism and ultimately totalitarianism and potentially a dictatorship in the United States and the dissolution of this incredible democracy because we can be bothered 
We couldn't be bothered to get up and vote. We couldn't be bothered to have political conversations. We couldn't be bothered to enter the room because there was already so much noise in that room, right? And that's yes. what they're relying on. They pump so much noise into the room that it kind of pushes the rest of us But away. they are the ones taking guns to this fight. And sadly, at this gunfight, Biden seems to be showing up with spoons as weapons. And, yeah, and, I, yeah, and, I, yeah. and I do fear, I mean, Kamala Harris made a very impassioned speech about women's rights uh, a couple of days ago. And I I'm so glad was, to hear from her. Me too. I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, where, where is she? And, and some people behind the scenes are saying, well, they, they purposely keep her out of the way because they worry that she might say the wrong thing. She's a lightning or, rod know, like I am, yeah. right? People see, like you said, people see my face and they make a lot of assumptions about me about who I am and what I believe and what I care about and about how much I'm willing to force those beliefs upon them. They make an instant judgment. And I, I've even noticed this on Twitter. If I say change my my photograph and my biographical details to something like uh, a couple of years ago, I was using the name Jack Stokes. People approached me completely differently. It was fantastic. I spent two weeks on the internet being able to have very pleasant discourse with many different right. people and really feeling um, like I, I had a place in the world. And so, um, you know, the the instinct again to react to people based on how they present themselves is what Republicans want because ultimately it continues to amp up the divisions that get them elected. Yeah, it's it's ammunition for them. And, yes, and, yes. And they are very good at, you know, the Democrats don't criticize the Republicans half as much as they could do. They don't expose them half as much as they could do. I agree. They we could don't fight be fire showing, fire. Right. They could be showing side-by-side -side videos and saying, this is what Republicans said and this is what really happened. You're absolutely they right. They could be fighting back at this at every press conference. You're absolutely and yet there right. Is, there is silence. And that's what I say about 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 Biden bringing spoons to a gunfight. They go, and they go, they go, they go low. We go high, right? I mean, that's that's really yeah. the the strategy. I don't think it's an effective strategy. Um, well, it doesn't work if the other team's not paying, playing by the rules. They're not playing by the rules in Congress. They're not playing by the rules in the Senate. They're not playing by the rules in the town square. There, there, there are. There, it is a lawless political environment. They've subverted their the rules. Perspective. They have right. absolutely subverted the rules. They continue to subvert the rules for their own ends. And I, while I understand that fighting fire with fire simply lowers us to that level, I think that a new methodology was exposed when we started to see the work happening in Ukraine and how the Western intelligence community started responding to the um, disinformation that was coming out of Russia, right? In yes. an attempt to get us to believe lots of things that they really are there to denazify Ukraine. And this is simply a special operation and not an invasion and et cetera. Yeah. Um, we started to see Western intelligence providing a truthful counter narrative because when you can see the truth with your own eyes, it really changes things. And it really makes you realize that there are people out there who have the skill, the money, the means, the resources, and the wherewithal to every day attempt to shift the political calculus into their favor. And they do that yeah. using the media, using social media in every possible way they can. It's uh, extremely calculated. And, you know, when I talk about that video, and I mentioned that video a few minutes ago that I saw of, of President Biden a couple of days ago, I had to scroll quite a while in those Reddit comments to find the one eagle-eyed Redditor who had identified the source video and said, let me go look at this and make sure that right. it actually is the way they represent it. And yeah. so 
there's a totally different, there's a, there's a very wide ratio between like, say the 90% of people who are just going to scroll past that, maybe even 99% and the 1% who might go all the way down into the comments to go find that. But reality. therefore it's the responsibility of the administration if they are being misrepresented to write that wrong. And this I is something that, that Obama, them. nothing. Obama spoke about this in a speech at Stanford about two or three weeks ago. Um, he talked a lot about, you know, the internet and how it's changing everything and how he has been misrepresented. And that's his greatest fear for the future is, is the fact that you don't even have to have said these words for someone else to make it look like you have. Right. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time watching Fox. I won't call it Fox News, but I, I, I spend news. a lot of time phone news. <laughs> and I uh, am completely blown away with how it's even legal to kind of do this stuff. You know, I, I you know, the, the First Amendment is taken advantage of in, in quite a remarkable way on that channel. Absolutely. But the, down, the downside is that there is, you know, the cost of this is is so great the cost of this emotionally financially socially that there is a level of corruption here that operates on so many levels and i just don't see like if we allow fox to continue i mean let's say okay hypothetically let's say biden turns around and goes i am going to do everything in my power to close down fox the first thing they'll say is he's an authoritarian he's a dictator He's a fascist. And yet, you know, this is fundamentally the problem now. It's this projection of the the, the, the actual fundamental opposite is being projected. Yes, and yes, you, yes. You can't win against that. You know? <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's an abuser's tactic called DARVO, D-A-R-V-O, and it's deny, uh-huh. attack, reverse victim and offender, right? And the right. purpose here is just to turn it back around. If someone says... Um, uh, wow, I really don't um, appreciate the don't say gay law, then the response is simply, well, you must be a child groomer, right? What you do is and, you and just the, yeah, and this turn is, it around. This is, this is what they're saying. Yes, and yes. <laughs> some of the stuff that I've seen come out of Tucker Carlson's mouth, it's Laura wild. Ingram's mouth, I mean, it is... Tucker Carlson is, is, is really... Well, it's crimes against America. I mean, it's Tucker treasonous. Carlson is responsible single-handedly for crimes against America and crimes against humanity. He has the most watched television show in the United States. He uses that platform on a daily basis to degrade, to harass, to divide Americans, and to brainwash. And he is allowed to continue yeah. acting in this capacity because, as you said, they exploit the First Amendment. And so we do need to develop better defenses against disinformation. We need to develop better defenses against um, loss of privacy, for example, and all of this profiling that these organizations are doing in order to continue further dividing us into political camps that are useful for them, right? Um, The national privacy law is extremely overdue. We must do it. We must have it. Uh, There most recently was an establishment of a disinformation office at the Department of Homeland Security, which has not been formally... um, uh, determined or um, built out. And so I look forward to seeing what that looks like. There are already many claims of um, authoritarianism and totalitarianism. And it is suspicious that this organization is within the Department of Homeland Security. But you have to think about what their mandate is, right? Their mandate is to fight threats against the homeland. And disinformation, yeah. not just piped in from outside of our country, but inside our own country, aimed at our own people, these are these are incredibly powerful threats to the fabric of our democracy. So instead of, you know, this the the um, 
horrific, unfair, violent, and immoral outcomes that women in our country are going to face as a result of this um, SCOTUS draft decision, right? Republicans want us to focus more on who leaked it because for Republicans to succeed, it is critical that the people who vote for them are able to connect the actions, that, that, that they're not able to connect the actions of these politicians to the pain in their lives, right? right. Um, these things are connected, right? Politicians make changes to laws, yeah, and then we are impacted by those laws. And so when the laws were driven by the beliefs of a population that are fooled, whose eyes are veiled because the information they're being given isn't good, you know, it's it's likely they'll vote for the wrong people. They'll vote um, against their best interests. And, you know, all these things are connected. I think we just need to get better at living within a complex media environment. You know, it's rife with fake accounts and disinformation. And these and are it all, all it all supports the cause, doesn't it? It's all it all supports, supports the cause. The cause. I mean, this is why they should have uh, taught the Mueller report in schools. I'm convinced of it. You know, not because enough like not enough people no, read nobody read it. And, nobody and the only it. thing people saw was was Bill Barr getting up and giving a 10 minute version where he exonerated Trump before it was released. And people and then Trump's like, I was exonerated. And then do you remember he held up the newspaper when he and it was like all of this stuff. Again, it's just noise. But they can it just say whatever people, they want. They can say crea- anything they want. Yeah, it, cre- it creates a narrative. Now, this week has been very interesting because there's been some uh, kind of climate change news that has come out. Um, one thing I read, uh, there's a journalist who I'm a big fan of called Umer Hack, who I've been trying to get on this show for ages, and he's, he's reluctant. But, you know, one day I'll, I'll, I'll manage it. But he writes uh, in a very eloquent language uh, about world events. And he wrote about climate change last week and basically talked about, uh, I think, in the African subcontinent, there was temperatures of 144 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my goodness. And what a nightmare. He basically said that not only is it unsurvivable for humans to live under these temperatures, but water will evaporate. You know, people will end up having to run for high ground. And invariably, not everybody will make it. But then he made another very salient point, which is that a third of the world's population lives there. This is not some kind of small island that's seeing the effects of climate change through erosion of its shores. This is the temperature of an entire subcontinent being unsurvivable, effectively. And we're seeing it now in multiple places around the world. Here in California, where I am, Ventura County has warmed 3.8 degrees. Uh, it's, 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 you can't live like this. I mean, air conditioning won't work at these temperatures. And so this is very, very worrying. And, and tragically, when I listen to the arguments of Ron DeSantis going to war with Disney, I just think this is all irrelevant because we're all going to burn to death at this rate. You know, there is no desire from the right. He won't even use the words climate change. You know, he referred to it when he was interviewed recently. He said, well, that's Democrat stuff. And and this is my fear. Anyway, the, the, uh, the, this connects to the pandemic because a study shows that as the Earth's climate continues to warm, researchers predict wild animals will be forced to relocate their habitats, likely to regions with large human populations, dramatically increasing the risk of a viral jump to humans that could lead to the next pandemic. And I, I would question whether this last current pandemic 
was not partly caused by climate change as well. You know, we've been, well, some people have been desperate to blame a, a laboratory in Wuhan, which of course we know is not true. But even the wet market in Wuhan, there could be an argument to say that climate change contributed to this leap from bats to humans. And this is my fear when you've got all of these Republican states who are starting to copycat each other in terms of policy. I have a theory, and, and Jackie, tell me if you think this is too outlandish, but my fear is that in the same way that DeSantis and other states are trying to prevent discussion of race from being talked, uh, taught in schools, they may also get to the point where they want to ban the teaching of climate change in schools. They'll be like, that's Democrat stuff. We do not teach about climate change in schools here because that's not even a thing. And yet we have these insane weather events. We have these floods. I mean, Florida has flooding, insane amounts of flooding. It's 1984. Down is up and up is down. Exactly this. It's it's don't look up this wonderful Netflix uh, yes. uh, show. Which, yes, yes, don't which look basically, up. Yeah, which many people all... manage to watch and not identify the theme of climate change. Yeah, I know it was incredible. I, I I spoke to so many people and they, they hadn't made sense that, that this <laughs> comet was was climate change. Anyway, the point the point being that fundamentally, if the this pandemic is not going to be the last pandemic, we already have people who are suffering from pandemic fatigue. The CDC says you've got to wear a mask on a plane and a train, and yet right-wing judge decides to overturn the CDC's thinking. I mean, we are, you know, if you throw in temperatures of 144 degrees into the mix and floods and, you know, this extreme weather, I mean, what hope is there for this race, you know, forget racism <laughs> the human race the is human the one race the human race that is yeah, that is I, that I, is uh, potentially finished i, I think uh, scientists have been warning us for years they're they've warned that we've um, potentially already passed the point of no return um you know it's a really uh depressing state of affairs it it weighs very heavily on the gen z generation that we discussed yeah. earlier it's one of the major concerns that they have you know, they were born into a world that may not have a place for them in 50 years, right? Mm -hmm. we, we don't know what things are going to look like um, with, with climate migration and shifts and, and climate refugees. It's going to become a disaster. And, um, you know, the places that are the least equipped to handle climate change will likely be the worst affected. And yet you have climate deniers like Ron DeSantis you know, in a state like Florida that has more sunshine than anywhere else in our country. And, you know, they're refusing to embrace tech like solar because it's a leftist policy. And so it's just bizarre. You know, the the beautiful parts of South Florida, like Miami Beach, are projected to just disappear, taking their economic value with them. And, you know, this is, these policies essentially ruin the state's chance of surviving climate change. And more more widely, you know, the United States has a massive, massive part to play. Um, in the global fight against climate change. And so I really think that we need to get um, on the same page about this. And as you said, while Republicans continue to downplay the threat in order to support big business, because ultimately I really mm. think that that's what it's about. It's an energy fight yeah. with big business, right? Big business yeah. supports the politicians. The politicians support the interests of big business. Meanwhile, all of us are just burning up. Yeah, right? we're, 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 again, we're, we're not represented. Yeah, but do you remember when them. when Donald Trump went to war with Greta Thunberg? You know, they 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 a seventeen <laughs> they, year old child, right? 
And, but it's also sad that the only activist that we can name on the biggest topic of our time, the biggest topic of our time, yes, is this is this young girl who, thanks to her, uh, she's on she's slightly on the spectrum, isn't she? And she basically yes. has this tunnel vision for this subject you know this yeah. is the reason that she cannot be moved and and we need her for this very reason you know her and and yet trump criticized her for that denied anything that she said she's going to be she's going to turn out to be you know the 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 only person that really you know brought any truth to the to this the canary in the coal mine the completely yes, completely yes. i mean desantis won't say the words climate change in florida in fact he set up a thing called a resiliency office uh, a three-year flooding and sea level rise resilience plan 76 projects across the state 270 million dollars in spending he knows that Florida is suffering, but he refuses to say climate change out loud. So he's rebranded it as as, as a resiliency right. office. Right. I think because politically thoughts, it doesn't work for him. Your thoughts about that, you know, this going into the schools is in, is entirely spot on. I think it will eventually start to migrate to the schools. I think they want to reach children early and to get them believing, yeah. you know, what it is that they believe very early because that's the, the creation of a voting block, right? How do we, how do we mm. get these kids to vote for us in the future? And so, um, you know, my question is how many more waterfront buildings need to collapse in Florida before Republicans decide to implement so-called left-wing policies? Mm. It's, it's the tragedy of the modern day is that we have politicized the pandemic or the, the former president politicized it. I'll never forget that line. It's the Democrats' new hoax to politicize climate change in this way. The pandemic and the climate change are the two. They're actually things that should have brought us together. You know, these things are non-political issues. In Nature does not see these, these two kind of, you know, the, the political division. Right. And yet we've been pulled further apart than ever before. Right. And and I've said before on this show that soon, you know, the only people adopting electric vehicles will be Democrats and you'll be able to hear Republicans coming in their combustion engine vehicles over the hill, <laughs> you know? And 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 that's what that's that's where it'll that's where it'll end up. Um let's have a final conversation uh, a little bit more um of a of a positive story here. This is Karine Jean-Pierre who has been announced as the uh, new press secretary to take over from Jen Psaki. She will be the first black person and first out gay person in the role. Uh, she's also female and she's an immigrant. So she ticks every, every diversity box, which is essential when we, as you said at the very beginning of this conversation, have young people that are increasingly disenfranchised with politics, especially with Joe Biden. For Joe Biden to give her this job and to put somebody on the uh, podium with with not just great credentials, because she's very experienced, you know, she she eminently qualified, um, I would say she, she's eminently qualified. And yet she will be the source of a lot of criticism. I've already seen it on Twitter from Republicans uh, you know, saying, you know, she is unqualified. Well, she was what hired for is, her identities, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they, they think that because she's black, she's unqualified, you know, or she should be picking cotton or something. You know, they have they have other opinions about where she should find employment. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'd ask um, folks with that opinion whether they believe that my application to the Biden campaign and, and my hire as the second cybersecurity hire at the Biden campaign and our very successful um, opportunity to keep the campaign safe, was that not on the basis of merit? You know, I asked my boss, why did you hire me? And he said, you had a great resume, right? Yeah. I, I, did, I did a good job on the interview. I had a great resume. Yeah. I was qualified. I had done the things that they needed done. I had the experience that they needed. And so... Um, I did have a lot of people reach out and ask me how I got the role. They asked me if I, if I had connections, if I had friends in that space and I don't, <laughs> I didn't have any connections in that space. I had never been in politics. And so, um, it was, a, it was an incredible opportunity to come in from the outside and I want to encourage more people to do that. I want to encourage more people who have complex identities to do that because ultimately when you look at someone like Karine Jean-Pierre, there are so many different identities, but it's not to check boxes. It's to give more people the opportunity to see themselves reflected in her, right? right? Because now a black woman can see herself reflected in her. Now a Haitian American can see themselves reflected in her. Um, now a gay woman can see herself reflected in her. Now, you know, there are just so many different, I can't even list all the different identities yeah. that Korean has. And it'd be difficult for me to do that as well, right? I'm also multi-ethnic. I'm a veteran, right? I have a, I'm a mother, right? Americans are complicated. And that's just like a wonderful part of who we are. That's the, um, the core of what we talk about when we say diversity is we all have yeah. a lot of identities and we all want to be respected in those identities, whether that's um, stay-at-home mom with five kids, right? Whether that's Southern Baptist preacher at a church in Maryland, whether that's um, um, trans woman figuring herself out at the age of 40, right? Like there's no limit to the empathy and the compassion that Americans can have for each other when we all decide together that we want to be free together. And I think Corinne Jean-Pierre is emblematic of that. Um, I think we're just really in the process of like determining who we want to be as a nation again. And it'll be messy and difficult and it'll be a jumble, but I think we'll come out of this stronger. But in order to do that, we have to get people to realize that respecting other people's identities is that foundation that we need in order to be a united citizenry and to come together. We don't have to agree on everything in order to feel united in our country and united in the reasons why we live here and why we believe in this democracy. Okay. Jackie, thank you very much. It was uh, it was an excellent second appearance. Thank it's you. only getting better. You'll you'll thank have to come you. back again. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I would love to. <laughs> okay, all the, all the very best to you. Thank you so all much. All the best to you as well. Thank you. And don't forget to subscribe to the Weekend Show on YouTube or as an audio podcast. Also, the Five Minute News Daily podcast, which drops every morning, so you can listen while you make your morning coffee. And please leave an iTunes review. I'm Anthony Davis. Join me next Sunday morning with a brand new special guest and three more factual news stories to discuss on the 5 Minute News Weekend Show with Midas Touch. We often hear about the individuals who took the oath of office to become the chief executive. But what about the other people who play a role in each administration or the events that may not be as well known, but that contribute to the reshaping of the office of the American presidency? On the presidencies of the United States, we explore each administration beyond just the person holding the highest elected office 
in order to better understand the history that brought us to the modern-day presidency. I hope you'll join me on this journey through the annals of presidential history. Presidencies can be found anywhere fine podcasts can be found, and is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.